more time, I bring you greetings from Zion Hill Church family. Today again is an opportunity for you and me to study the Word of God. You know, I promise you we're going to go through the entire Bible. We started out with the book of Genesis, and now we are now in the book of Exodus. You're going to enjoy yourself in the Lord. I love to talk about the Word of God. It's very deep and yet very simple if you just follow the scenario. You will recall by way of quick review that the book of Genesis, we told you, can be divided to, to, into two sections. The first section talks about the creation of how God created heaven and earth and how he put a couple by the name Adam and Eve. And you recall that first part, there was sin by this couple and they messed up. And basically they were kicked out of the garden. And God was trying to find a way to restore the whole group of people on earth back to himself. So we start, we studied the second part of the book of Genesis, which has a lot to do with God trying to rescue man. First, he tried through Noah and his family. You remember the flood? And that didn't turn out too well. At the end, Noah got drunk. You remember we went through all that story. And then he chose to rescue the whole earth through the family of Abraham. And you remember how we walked through the generation of Abraham's family. Abraham beget Isaac, Isaac beget Jacob. Jacob had 12 children, and one of them, Joseph, ended up being in Egypt. He, was, he, he got there as a slave, and the Lord promoted him. You remember how the whole book of Genesis ends with Joseph being a big shot in Egypt. And then so big that he actually sent for all of his family from Israel to join him in Egypt. And that was the end of the book of Genesis. By the way, there's a, a very serious lesson there before we dive into Exodus. And that is the notice there were 12 children but God raised one up that becomes a big timer, a success story, and that honored his whole family. The Bible talks about Joseph literally sent wagons. That's like sending a limousine or Cadillac or some fancy transportation to get all of his family. One of the things that, that, that caught my attention in that whole story was that somebody was missing on that tree, and that was Rachel. Rachel was the mother of Joseph. When Joseph sent for everybody to come, but the most important person, the one who got pregnant, the one who carried the baby Joseph, the one who went through morning sickness, she was not on that wagon to bring everybody to Egypt. I want to pray for those of you who are mothers right now. I want to pray that God will honor you, that you don't go through all the, tr the trouble of life, and then your labor is in vain. 
I don't have to tell you the difficulty to birth a child. But it's so sad that when all the blessings began to come, she was not alive to enjoy it. I pray that God will make sure that you live to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Whether you have one child, whether you have two or three or four or five, I don't know. But to me, it was so important that that woman who labored, who carried the baby, was so important that she had to be in that wagon. I pray that your labor would not be in vain. I pray that God would do everything within his power to value your investment. The best investment in life is what you invest on your children. Believe me when I tell you, I have some children too, as you can tell. I spend a great deal of my energy trying to raise them, trying to bless them. You have children too. I pray when it was, it's time for their graduation, when it's time for their ceremony, when it's time for their promotion, that you will be available, that nobody will have to represent you. Open your mouth, shout amen right now. I pray when your children are doing great things in life, you will not be missing in the name of Jesus. Now we come to the book of Exodus, and you remember we told you there are two parts to that book of Exodus. The first part is chapter 1 through chapter 18. And the second part is chapter 19 through chapter 40. The last week we talked primarily about chapter, uh, the, the first part of, of chapter 1 through 18. You know what I was trying to point out? I shared with you how these Israelites, they are now in Egypt. They were treated like kings and queens. They had a red carpet treatment. But unfortunately, the Pharaoh that was nice to them, he died. Now we have a new Pharaoh who was mean. That new Pharaoh was concerned that the Israelites are becoming too many and was concerned that they were too blessed. They were making too much money. God was multiplying them. God was blessing them. You remember the promise God made to Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. These are the children of Abraham, and those blessings, those promises of God, was manifesting their life. Hallelujah! Let me stop here and pray for you, parents, again. What you said concerning your children is very important. I pray every prayer that you have uttered over those children, God will make it to come to pass in the name of Jesus. Those Israelites, many of them probably didn't even know about Abraham, their forefather, but they were flourishing. They were getting blessed. That became a threat to the new Pharaoh of Egypt. So he decided to make to do two things, to make them slaves and to kill every one of their, their boys, their little babies. You know what he did? He told the nurses of Egypt, they called them midwives back then. He told them, look, whenever you guys have to birth a Jewish child, if it's a girl, 
let that, that baby live. But if it's a boy, kill it. Go through it in denial. Why would, why would he be so mean? He did all of that because he was concerned that these Israelites, these Jewish people, are becoming too many, too strong, too powerful. And then you remember, I told you the last time we met, how one of those boys that's supposed to be killed, Moses, how his mama made a wrap for him and put him in a basket and put him on, on River Nile. And then the, the, the river floats that young boy, that little baby, until one of Pharaoh's daughter noticed the baby floating and then took the baby and raised the baby in Pharaoh's house. And we concluded that time, how God will cause your own enemy to feed you. Hallelujah. I want to shout right now. I can relate to that. We talked about how God will prepare for you a table right in the face of your enemies. Who would have thought the same Pharaoh who hates the Jews, who wanted to kill all the Jewish children, ended up racing Moses as a baby. And then, of course, I told you that that baby was floating <laughs> on top of River Nile. And you know that water has snakes, scorpions, alligators, all kinds of very troubling animals that can kill the baby. And I pray for you, and I say it again, that God will cause you to float on top of every trouble in your life. Everything that is trying to destroy you, God will cause you to float above it. Hallelujah. Now we get to the second part of the book of Exodus, which is what I want to talk to you about today. Chapter 19 through chapter, chapter 40. Now you will recall the first part ended up with all the plagues in Egypt, and how Pharaoh had to let the people of God go. You remember how Moses was called by God to go set the people free. How Moses went to Pharaoh, let my people go. By the way, I want to pray for you before I move forward. I pray right now in the name that is above every name. That every Pharaoh that is trying to hold you down the God Almighty will rescue you from every one of them. See, the Israelites could not help themselves. Pharaoh held them down. But today, they don't stand a chance. But when God showed up, Pharaoh had to let the people go. I pray every forces of darkness that is trying to hold you down, that is trying to hold down your children, Every forces of darkness that is messing with your business, with your ambition, with your, with your career, with your job opportunity, that's a Pharaoh. The same God that rescued the Israelites, that same God is your God. And I pray that God will intervene and provide you a way of escape 
That escape that he did for the Israelites is what we call Exodus. <laughs> now you see where the name came from. And of course, you will recall that after Pharaoh let them go, he changed his mind. He tried to come back to get them back. And then you, you remember the encounter at the Red Sea, how God worked a miracle. God's people walk in the middle of the sea on dry land. So now we go to the second part of Exodus. Now the people are free. Pharaoh's army was destroyed in the Red Sea. Now they are celebrating. But as soon as they came up, you remember they start to complain, start to murmuring. God in his grace and mercy provided for them. I encourage you the last time, and I want to say it again. Don't find yourself murmuring before God. Don't find yourself complaining. Not even about yourself. Not even about your children. Not even about God. If you look long enough, you can find something good in every human being. Look for that which is good concerning people. Think positively. The Bible talks about whatsoever are good, whatsoever are lovely, anything that is of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think of these things. Occupy your mind with positive things. By the way, that was Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. What am I trying to tell you? The Israelites, they begin to mess up, whining and complaining. But God is such a good God, he still fed them with manna. He still bring water for them out of the rock. And now they find themselves journey in the wilderness. And then God decided to covenant with them. God said, look, I've always wanted to, to be in presence with people. That's what he was doing with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. Sin separate men from the presence of God. So now God is trying to rescue man again and reunion with man so that he can have fellowship with them. So guess what? He invited the people. He said, I want a covenant with you. I want to be your friend. I want, I want you to have my presence back. And then guess what? He gave them what we called Ten Commandments. You remember all those Ten Commandments? Don't do this, don't do that, don't have no other God, don't, have, don't worship idols, don't steal, don't... I mean, that's where the... That was God saying, let's make a deal. By the way, let me stop by and tell you again, that, would you believe God still wants to have a deal with you? God is actually a covenant-making a covenant-keeping God. If he promises you something, he will do it. If he says something, you can count on his word. So he invited these people. He said, look, let me show you how to really be blessed. He said, if you keep these Ten Commandments, he said, you will be a kingdom of priests. That's what he promised them. Say, I will do this for you if you do this. 
That's what covenant is all about. It's like having a real contract. It's, it's much higher level than the contract we're used to here in America. And amazingly, the people of Israel say, we'll agree to that. Whoa! Now God is going to make them a great nation. The whole world will look at them and see that they are blessed. There was also an additional 52 commands. I know everybody talks about the Ten Commandments. There was additional 52 that talks about how the people of God should worship. It even talked about social justice. You know, I happen to be a lawyer. That was very important to me. That, that part of the, the book of Exodus, I studied, I mean, I studied over and over and over again. It was good to know that God has always been a God of justice. Let me stop there and bless somebody. If you're struggling right now, if somebody is trying to oppress you, intimidate you, and misuse you, let me tell you something about God. He is a God of justice. When the system of this world failed you, believe me, there is a God that will vindicate you. There is a God that will fight your battle. In one scripture, you know what he says? He said, be still. Translation, calm down. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've had to do that many times in my life. People just mis mistreat me and misuse me, and I would just chill. I knew if I have to fight my own battle, I may not win. Sometimes the forces of op opposition is overwhelming. But don't let me get on my knees. When I turn my situation over to God, believe me when I tell you, he never failed me. I've never seen anybody abuse me, misuse me, and get away with it. He is a God of justice. Those other 52 rules, that was what it was about. He told them how to worship. He told them how to treat other people. He shared with them about social justice. And then the people of Israel said, we'll do it. And God said, if you will keep those commands, I will make you great. I will make you a kingdom of priests. You will be high above all other nations. You will think they have a deal. Praise God. But you won't believe it. Moses, who was giving all the commandments, the people agreed to it. Everything was dandy. So God told the people, say, okay, now that we, we have a covenant, you all come up here. Come meet me a Manzion. Guess what the people say? Oh, no. <laughs> we ain't going up there. You know why they were scared to go up there? Because when God first showed up, he shook the whole mountain. Lightning, thunder, all kinds of big loud. They were scared to death. They said, oh, no. 
It's no joke dealing with this God. So guess what? They refuse to go up the mountain to meet with God. So Moses had to climb the mountain all by himself. Let me take some time to talk to you who are leaders. Some of you are pastors, you're listening to me. And some of you, you work in a ministry. Or maybe you're just a leader, a business owner, a leader in your own home, a leader in the community. A true leader should be willing to go when nobody else will go. Let me school you. Let me teach you something. I always tell my children, it don't take much to be blessed. If God has called you into leadership, if you have an area of your life that God is using you, don't let the opinions of men and women sway you. Even if nobody will go. We used to sing a song. I'll go if I have to go by myself. <laughs> you can tell I'm enjoying myself, isn't it? Moses have to go. That's what a true leader would do. Moses went before God and God recite, recited all those rules. And now everything's in writing. What the people would do, what God would do. Will you believe these people had agreed to all these things? But right after Moses was gone, they started violating the rules. They got Aaron to make them a golden calf. And they start to worship a golden calf. Can you believe it? Guess what they are reasoning for? They said Moses has been gone too long. They said, look, maybe he's dead over there on top of the mountain. Maybe he's not even coming back. We need something to worship. We need something to touch. They didn't have the patience. By the way, I can stop there and preach to you. Because we're not going through something called coronavirus. You know, I hate to, to warn everybody. We have to be careful that we don't reopen everything too soon. I don't know what the problem is. People don't have patience. America wants it now, 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 now. Quick fix. Microwave mentality. Moses was on the mountain conducting business with God, but they are tired of waiting. Maybe there's a lesson there for you and me today as we deal with this COVID-19. I'm grateful for all the miracles and, and so many who have recovered. I'm so sorry for those who lost their loved ones to this coronavirus thing. But we have to be careful that we don't reopen our businesses too quick, that we don't reopen our churches too quick, that we don't reopen all the activities in the community too quick. What is the rush for? Yeah, I'm tired of sitting at home. Me too. <laughs> But there are some things that is worth waiting for. Israel messed up the contract with God. Their covenant with God. Why? Because they lack patience to wait on God. Moses was so upset that when he showed up on top of that mountain, 
and saw them doing what they do, he broke all the, the <laughs> all the tablets. <laughs> he was he's nicer than me. I'm bad throwing that all of them. <laughs> he was so upset. By the way, you know, in practical time, let me get back in the spirit up in here. Did you know that they have just violated the first two part of the covenant they had with God? The first covenant say, thou shall have no other God before me. Guess what they just do now? Violation of the contract. Breach of contract. In my kind of line of, of work, that's ground for somebody to be sued. You don't make an agreement and then turn around and violate. You're going to be sued. Another thing, the second part of that covenant they had with God, it said, thou shalt worship no idols. Guess what these people are doing? <laughs> they are breaking the same covenant. They've told God, we're in agreement. Now you see why Moses was so upset. That's why he broke the tablets. But it was not just Moses that was upset. God was very, very upset. In fact, God was so upset, ladies and gentlemen, that God literally wants to wipe out the whole Israel, kill all of them. I can stop there and preach, my friend. You know, we do a lot of things, and God forgive us. But be careful that you don't take up God to the point that he, he will become angry and upset with you. I know we all have our, our ways. I, me too, you know. But you know, you, you can push the envelope, but you have to be careful that you don't cross the line. These people have crossed the line. God was ready to crush all of them. Then, this is an important part of the book of Exodus. Moses began to intercede for them. In other words, Moses prayed to God, please don't kill them. Moses in his prayer, this is about learning how to pray. Moses talked about two things that's important if you want to learn to pray. Number one, it talks about the character of God. And number two, it talks about the reputation of God. Those were the things he talked about in his prayer. He said, Lord, you're not going to do this, do you? Remember your promises to them. Remember your promise to Abraham. If you destroy all these people, that promise is no good. You are a man, a God of good character. Guess what? That God God's attention. He also reminded God about his reputation. He said, look, what would all these heathens out there think about you? A God who loves people and turn around and kill all of them? So he reminded God about his reputation. There's a lesson there. When you pray, if you ever messed up, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I didn't <laughs> screw up big time. But guess what I learned to do? 
I learned to ask God for mercy. Ask God for forgiveness. Reminded God who he is. And God is a merciful God. In fact, let me encourage you to, to study chapter 34 of the book of Exodus. Not only did God answer Moses' prayer, God described who he is. God said, look, I'm a merciful God. I'm a patient God. He said, I'm a gracious God. You know why I'm asking you to read that chapter? You need to know God. When you get to know God for yourself, it will change all your mindset. A lot of times, people ask me, why are you so bold? Why are you just shoot straight? You shoot from the heat. Don't you worry about what people might say. No, I fear no man. You know why? Because the more I get to know God, the more I realize that's who all I need. He said, I'm a very merciful God. He said, I am a forgiving God. I don't know about you. I need the mercy of God. Of God. I don't know about God. When I screw up, I need God to forgive me. He said, I'm a gracious God. You know what he's talking about? The grace of God. I'm standing before you. I'm actually sitting there. You know, I'm just chilling. Cross my leg, just having fun. You know, ain't nobody here but just me, Maurice, and MJ, just chilling. No boo, just, just right from my spirit. I'm sharing with you what does says the Lord. It's good to know that God forgives sin. Now, there is consequence for sin, but God will forgive you of anything you've done. God changed his mind. He decided not to, for, not to kill or destroy the Israelites. And then, you know, the next thing that happened, that's what makes this book so amazing. So the Lord said, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm trying everything to rescue these people. I invite them to come up. Since they will not come on top of the mountain with you, Moses, I, God, will come down to them. Whoa! Can you imagine the level of humility of Almighty God? Those people were too scared to go up to him. They saw the lightning. They saw the thunder. They saw the... The majesty of God is say, oh no, Reverend, you go all by yourself. We ain't following you. But now God say, okay, that's cool. I love these people so much. I will come down to them. Let that soak in. You think you know good. But in the heart of God, you're very special. You are the apple of his eyes. You think you don't stand any chance in this system. But believe me when I tell you, in the heart of God, you can do all things through Jesus Christ that strengthens you. You think all the odds are against you. You think you're too far from God. But we serve a God 
who say, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. He said, And if you will open the door of your heart, I will come in, literally, to serve with you. Translation, God, if you will just open the door of your heart today, God will actually come in and hang out with you. Hallelujah. Man, I can shout on that. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. That is why I can smile. That don't mean I'm perfect. <laughs> All you need to do is ask any of my children. I'll say, oh, no. Not that man. <laughs> it do mean something. Just, just, just hide on us. But you know what? It's good to know that we serve a God that is very merciful, that is very gracious, that will give you another chance. He, somebody call him a God of second chance. But let me testify. He has given me a second time, a, a third chance, a fourth chance. Only God knows how many chances God has given to me. You know what I'm trying to tell you? He wants to do the same thing for you. God said to those people, if you cannot reach me, I will come down to your level. And this is how he did it. He told Moses, said, look, build me a tabernacle. Build me a tent, literally. And then he was very particular. He told Moses specific details, all the specifications, how many, the length, the breadth, the content of, I mean, it was just amazing how involved God is. By the way, there's a lesson there. You see, your life may not mean much, but God is interested in every detail of your life. I'm amazed how God literally supervised the whole project. The kind of wood, the, the, the location, where you're going to put this, where you're going to... I mean, I can talk about that tent, that tabernacle for the next 24 hours. That's how much detail it is. I remember spending a whole year studying about the tabernacle. I wanted to know the heart of God. That tabernacle, that tent has three sections. The outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies. By the way, this past weekend, I preached about that. And I encourage everybody to walk away from sin. Do you know why we're in such a big mess today? We have left our first love. We're too full of ourselves. Our priority is messed up. People want nice dress, nice house. Whatever days, good styling, the latest fashion, nice food. I mean, God is not intimidated by all of that. But when all that becomes focus, and now we do all kinds of crazy things, uh, lesbianism, gayism, all kind of adultery, fornication. I mean, we get into drugs, we smoke weeds. We, <laughs> I mean, people just, just acting crazy. And God is no longer a priority. Now you see why we have to deal with all this plague. Now you see why we have to deal with all these viruses. 
Now you see why we have to deal with people dying before their time. Even preachers and bishops. I'm sorry to say that. But God wants to restore you and me today. That's the good news. God said, I will come in. I will, I will come down. And then he encouraged you, don't just, don't just come near the tabernacle. Enter in. When you enter, don't just stay in the outer court. Walk your way through. Get into the inner court. Don't just stay in the inner court. Get into the holies of holies. You know what is in the holies of holies, my friend? The presence of God. The Bible said in that holies of holies, there's an item there called the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of that Ark, you will see two cherubim. They're touching each other with their wings. And then... Underneath that, you will see what they call the mercy seat. And right there is the presence of God. Oh, I wish I had time just to break this down to, to everybody's level. You know, you remember way back in Genesis when he created the whole world. Guess what he wanted from man? He just wanted fellowship with man. And men and women of that age Enjoy the presence of God. Adam enjoyed the presence of God. Eve enjoyed the presence of God. But they messed it up. They lost it. Now you see, that same presence, God is offering it again. He came down. He said, I'll be right there. I will tabernacle with them. The whole book of Exodus ended with the construction of that tent, the Bible says when that tabernacle was completed, the presence of God, you can see it from miles and miles away. They call it the Shekinah glory of God. Everybody could tell God is in the house. Whoa. Can I be real? Do you realize we have churches in every corner? Have you ever wondered if God is really there? I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. You know, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God, one of the best things you can do for your church and for your own self is to allow God to be present. Even your heart. The Bible said, know ye not that your heart, your body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to be present there. But many times we exit him out because of all the filthiness, because of all the craziness that we get into. Even though he wants to stay, he wants to dwell in your heart, he wants to dwell in your house, he wants to dwell in your church, he don't want to just visit every now and then and people will say oh we have church today the holy spirit was present where he really wants to habitate with you he wants to be there with you every day one songwriter say he walks with me he talks with me that's how much god loves you the people of god they could see the chicana glory there was smoke on top of that tent on top of the building, you can see it 
for miles and miles, God was pressing. And all they need to do is go into the tabernacle. Now, I hate to end with that on a, on a sad note. Will you believe after that tent was completed, the Bible said Moses wanted to go inside, but he could not. If you're a preacher listening to me, let that soak in. Wouldn't it be sad that you lead in a building project, you have to build churches, you build it, you build it, but you could not even approach God in it. Wow. When we get into to the next book, then you see how God was planning to still restore men back to himself. Do you know why he could not go in? Because of the sin of the people. These were the same people who built a golden calf. These were the same people who was worshipping idols. These were the same people who refused to approach God. They won't go to him on top of the mountain. Now God came down, you think they're still going to go? <laughs> it was so bad. The Bible said the only person who goes into the presence of God once a year is the priest. And guess what they do? Because the, the presence of God is about holiness, about godliness, they will have to tie that man with chains in his legs. So when he entered into the holies of holies, they, they, they also surround him with, with, with bells. So when he's moving, they can hear the sound outside. They won't go in themselves. <laughs> Sounds like some church folks today. And then they're listening. And then the priest is supposed to present their offering, their sacrifice for atonement for a whole year to cover all their mess. And then they're outside, they're listening. And every time they hear the, some, some whistles and bells, they say, okay, the preacher is still alive. Now the Bible says, if at some point they hear no more movement, guess what has happened? They know that a holy God has knocked that preacher out because of his sinfulness. And guess what they do? They use the chain from outside to pull his behind out. <laughs> they won't go in there themselves, but they can tell the preacher has been struck dead. So they will drag him out pull that chain. You know, I love a lot, but there's a lot of serious lessons there. If you're going to, to serve God, be real. Don't be a fake one. Serve God with all your heart. Too many people are just playing church. Life is too short. Can't you see all what is going on? Take God serious, and he will take you seriously. You know, let me end the book of Exodus on this note. Because I know your time is precious. Will you believe when the people of God were in Egypt, they had an enemy. His name is Pharaoh. When God gave them a rescue, 
when God caused them to escape, they were escaping from an enemy called Pharaoh. One thing that grieves my heart as I read the book of Exodus is that after God bailed them out, after God gave them an Exodus experience, after God gave them a Passover, that in the middle of the night they were all they all escaped. Now there is no Pharaoh in their life. Now they've become their own enemy. They used to have an enemy called Pharaoh. But guess who their own their enemy is right now? Themselves. You know, one of the things that I'm concerned about America. Can you handle the truth? We have become our own worst enemy. A lot of things we blame on the devil. It's not really the devil. Could it be we are screwing our own self up? If you don't mind me keeping, keeping it 100 with you. Could it be that we are so blessed that we've we forget God. When was the last time that you prayed? When was the last time that you have the, the, the consciousness that everything you got, your car, your house, your children, your job, your business, anything you got, but for God, you don't stand a chance. My friend, let's stop taking God for granted. Let's make God our priority. This concludes the book of Exodus. Thank you for studying with me. You know I love you. If you ever need a church home, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. There is a church called Zion Hill Church Family in the city of Pineville, Louisiana. Believe me when I tell you, that's a place to be. And if you should decide to be a member of our church, you will never regret your decision. You will learn the word of God. You will grow and mature. You can call any member of my church. I'm not the smartest creature, but when it comes to the word of God, you're going to get it here. This is a place for you to learn this is a place for you to use your gifting talents. It's a place of empowerment. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you right here now. I don't know nothing about media production. I don't know how a camera works. I don't know how a sound works. I'm not into any of that. But there are some guys here, they're members of my church. So all I needed to do is empower them. They're the genius that is making it possible for you to see me. It's a place for you to grow. It's a place for you to mature your gifting. It's a place of empowerment. This church is a place of enrichment. You say, Pastor, how do I join your church? Well, first of all, please note, it's not my church. I'm from Africa. I don't bring no church here. <laughs> This is God's church. So let me give you a number. The 318 704 6900. 
But as you're watching me today, maybe you just need somebody to pray for you. Maybe you just need some counseling. I know I love a lot. I love smiling. I love to keep things simple. That's the gift of God in me. But if you're going through some serious challenges, call that toll-free number. There are preachers who are waiting to pray with you, to counsel you, to love on you, and to encourage you. Take advantage of that. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. And I'll see you again next week at the same time. God bless you. I love you.